Thank you for coming to the podcast. This is Top Turtle MMA Podcast on CageSidePress.com. I'm Daniel Gibby Freeland, joined as always by my co-host Shockwave Dave Tremonte. The UFC may be off this week, but that doesn't mean we can't break down some fights for you guys. This week, we are breaking down XMMA 4. That's right, XMMA 4 out of New Orleans. We'll be breaking down three of our favorite fights on that card, as well as telling you an underdog to keep an eye on in a parlay that you can put together. And because we're looking at regional MMA this week, we're actually interviewing two fighters who are fighting regional fights. Later on in the show, I'm going to be interviewing Adley Edwards, who is fighting on that XMMA 4 card. And earlier on the show, I'm going to be talking to LFA 128's Aaron McKenzie, who fights to defend his title. Now, before we get to any of that great content, I do have to let you know that this episode is brought to you by Better Than Vegas. Better Than Vegas is the home for the avid sports better, providing insights, analysis, and free betting picks. It's like the YouTube for sports betting. Head on over to Better Than Vegas, where you can browse, search, and follow handicappers and sports personalities as they hit you up with their picks on every sport imaginable. In fact, you can check out my bonus pick for every single UFC card on the Top Turtle MMA page. But of course, you can only get that at betterthan.vegas. Better Than Vegas brings you this episode of the Top Turtle MMA Podcast, and it starts right now. The hosts are ready. The fighters are ready. Listeners, make some noise if you are ready for Top Turtle MMA with Shockwave and Gumby. All right, and joining me today is Aaron McKenzie, who fights Lucas Clay at LSA 128. That fight is, of course, on April 8th. So, Aaron, I wanted to start here. You know, a lot of people fighting for LFA and headlining LFA cards are guys looking to get into the UFC, guys looking to get into Bellator, big organizations like that. But you are a guy who's been in the sport for so long. You're actually coming up on a decade in MMA since your AMI debut. What keeps you ticking at this point in time in your career? Honestly, it's exactly what you said. Uh, I want to get to the highest level, and I want to prove I belong there, and I want to win some uh, hardware when I get there. I love it. Now, you know, you you said that that's the ultimate goal, and I do want to talk to you about that a little bit there, but has that always been the ultimate goal for you? Have you always dreamed of being in the UFC when you got into the sport 10 years ago? It's it's funny that you mentioned that because, no, not at all. When I first started training, I just started training – uh, because I was an athlete my whole life, I played football in college, and then when I stopped doing that, uh, I was playing every pickup game you could think of. I was playing volleyball every night, football, soccer, basketball there in the daytimes, uh, and going to school. And then I found out there was an MMA gym in town, and I was like, well, let me go try that. Uh, showed up the first day and never stopped. Had my first amateur fight three months later, and it's been uh, chasing that feeling ever since then. I love that. Now, out of curiosity, you know, like what what sparked you going to the gym the first time? Like you you said, you know, you just knew that there was a gym in town, but you know, not everybody sees a a gym where people punch each other in the face and says, "Hey, I want to try that." What what made you step in the first time? It's funny because uh, I I was working at the river at the time, which is a fun thing to do out in Tahlequah, uh, and me and the boys got together for Anderson Silva and Chael Sonnen too. Uh, we watched that fight card. I think Forrest was on there for his retirement fight too. Uh, and like I, I dabbled watching before as I was going through college. And I think I watched like the Kimbo tough season and a couple of other things. Uh, but just seeing that it, it was really fun and exciting. And I was like, you know, maybe, 
maybe I'd like to check that out, see what it's like. And so that was that was a part of that spark as well. And, and so you mentioned Anderson Silva and Shale Sonnen. So I got to ask you, too, do you see either of those two as sort of inspirations for your career? Did, was one of their styles something that, you know, spoke to you? Uh, back then, not really, you know, and uh, I don't think I'll ever be able to move my head as well as Anderson, but I definitely <laughs> do want to emulate both of them as much as possible. I'd love to have that suffocating Shale top game uh, and be elusive on the feet like Anderson as well. Uh, so I definitely do try and add things like that in, but uh, it's never never going to be, I don't think, at that level. But maybe if I can mix a little bit of both and have my own special sauce on there, then then we can cook with something. I love that. Now, I, I did want to ask you about mixing things up, too, because you actually have two coaches who I have a lot of respect for, one who I've talked to on this very show, one who I've I've loved watching for a really long time, and that's you go to Lovato for BJJ, you go to Stephen Wright's War Room for striking, Tell me a little bit about how those two blend together and, and especially how do their coaching styles blend together? Honestly, like it, it's such an amazing experience for me because just like you said, those are two of the top guys in the world at what they do. Uh, and just being able to soak up that knowledge that they've already gathered from traveling around the world. Both of them have traveled around the world and just picked up things here and there and learned everything that uh, you know is beneficial to a great martial artist. Um, and so they work so good together in the corner and just working off of each other. Uh, they do a great job of not talking over each other and keeping each other in sync. Uh, and both of them have a really calming voice for me. Like if I'm ever striking, I know uh, Steven's going to have that with me. He's going to be able to push me in the right direction, give me the ideas of what I need to look out for. Uh, and then if I'm grappling, I've got Raphael in my ear and I can hear him pretty much better than anybody uh, in the crowd, and I just whatever he says, I know is going to be the right thing. So I'll I'll try and do that immediately. He said in the past that it's kind of like he's playing an Aaron video game out there when I'm in the fight, <laughs> uh, and he he really enjoys that. I, I love that, and and it's it's clearly shown off too because you're you're being really successful now. But I do want to ask about game planning because you know you, you're talking about both of them giving you instructions on the fly and how that sort of processes in your head, and you feel like you, you're able to execute it. But as far as game planning goes, going into a fight, how, how does that work with two guys who are, you know, such incredible minds in their, their respective disciplines trying to blend them together for, you know, what maybe works best for Aaron McKenzie? Uh, yeah, no, that's exactly it, too. They'll both watch uh, they'll both watch the film and see what they've got going on as soon as we get a name. Uh, and then they come to me and they tell me what they're both thinking. We all get together and we're like, okay, this this is going to be it. And it was funny because before either one of them had gotten to talk to me about what was going on or talk to each other, they both had the same ideas for this fight. Like we were all three on the same page. And I think it's going to be really exciting to get out there and show it off. Well, and I won't ask you to give too much away, but I, I did want to start talking a little bit about Lucas Clay because the guy, he, he's got a very unconventional game, right? Like he does strike a little bit. He, he dabbles in it, but the thing that's kind of set him apart from people, the thing that's made people want to see Lucas Clay in fights, is that weird buggy choke, right? Like, he's hit it a couple of times in competition. He's hit it in jiu-jitsu competitions. It's something that you don't see a lot of times in the What is it like preparing for a guy who's kind of got, like, a weird specialty submission that you, you probably know he wants to get at? Yeah, no, that's uh, another thing. Uh, I fought Joe Giannetti, like, in October 2020. 
he's got a lot of that same kind of uh, guillotine Darman style. He was trying to hit the buggy truck on bottom side control in round two in our fight. Um, I tell him nobody really messed with it too much because it was just starting to gain popularity back then. Um, but then you've seen it recently. The Tolo brothers have been killing it and uh, putting out a lot of stuff on it. So now it's bigger than ever. Uh, a lot of people love the unorthodox stuff as much as it's not usually the best things you can do. You are usually in bad position when you're going for it. Um, but so it, it, I've watched Lucas now for two years since I since I started uh, in the LSA 155 division. I saw him not long after, and I was like, he's definitely going to be somebody that's looking for a title shot soon. So uh, anytime Lucas Clay was watch or fighting, I was watching as well, just seeing what was going on. Uh, he's a great fighter, and I found out he likes buggy chokes. And so once I watched a little bit of the film, uh, that was the first thing I wanted to go do. I wanted to go practice buggy chokes myself. I wanted to go check it out. Uh, I wanted to see how it felt to defend it. I wanted to defend it, and I've put myself there a lot recently. Um, and, like, I've probably landed 15 to 20 buggy chokes in the last couple of weeks, funny enough. Um, but it's definitely different. It's He's the kind of guy that you've got to be careful everywhere. Uh, it, it reminds me a lot of uh, Paul Craig from this weekend where he was, he was getting bombed on, and then he hit that triangle just out of nowhere. Uh, that's the kind of guy Clay is. Like he can definitely be losing a fight, be losing position, and he can still find a way to win it. Uh, and so it's somebody you've got to be careful at all times of your positioning and of uh, what you're doing. So that's just something that I've been very careful of in practice lately is just to make sure that I'm minding uh, myself at all times and I'm ready and able to defend. I love that. Now, you, you, I, I got to ask these questions here because you sound like an absolute student of the game. Not only did you name drop Paul Craig, who's obviously in the news right now with the UFC, you said you watched tons of film on your opponent way before he was there, and you name dropped the Rotolo brothers, which for people who are not huge jiu-jitsu fans or, or huge fans of watching all combat sports, those are names that maybe people don't know. Do, do you regularly watch, like, every single realm of combat sports all the time? Because, like, that... You just name-dropped a whole bunch and a lot of knowledge all at once. Uh, yeah, no, absolutely. And it's funny, too, because I've been watching a lot of Liam Harrison Muay Thai fights lately, too. So it's uh, I'm definitely engulfed in this. You know, it's what I do. It's what I love. I love uh, watching fights, uh, grappling, and uh, all of it. So I, I'm definitely uh, very much entrenched in keeping an eye on what's going on. Uh, and because of where I train at, jiu-jitsu realm, I'm getting a lot of that from my friends. Like I've got one of my best friends is getting ready for ADCC trials next week. So uh, we do a lot of grappling together. We we roll pretty much every single day, he and I. Uh, and then I've got guys that are getting ready for Muay Thai tournaments down in Texas. I've got a couple of AMI guys and um, new pro guys that are coming up that I'm really helping work on things, getting ready for their careers. Uh, and then I run pretty much every day. And like we have an entire room that we devoted, my wife and I, to working out. We've got a couple of ellipticals in there and a treadmill, um, row machine, things like that. And I've got TV on the wall in there just so I can watch fights and TV while I'm running. So I get my cardio in while I'm studying at the same time. Well, that certainly it explains a lot of your different styles, all the things we've seen. So I love asking this before I let any fighter go. Do you got a prediction for how this one ends? Because you, you just told us you're, you're ready to take it anywhere. Yeah, no, absolutely, I am. Um, I think I think we're gonna finish him for sure. Uh, how we finish him, 
that's never mattered to me, but I'm always going to be going out to find the finish and I'm going to put the pressure on. So uh, just bank on that inside of five. All right. Well, I love it. Now, before I let you go here, this is your second headliner for LFA, right? Second one in a row. You know, you're, you're going to be holding the belt if you win this fight. We're talking about an organization that sends people to the UFC all the time, especially champions. I, I want to know, if you win this fight, are you expecting the call? Do you think this is the one that's going to get you that big contract that you've been thinking about for, for quite a while now? I, you know, I've been saying it for a long time. I, I don't know what they want. I don't know what they're looking for. I don't know what they need. I want to make myself whatever they need. Uh, I want to go find the finish. I want to beat up these guys that are great fighters that have good records. Like if you go back and look, there's not a single loser on my, on my record. Everybody's 10 and two, 10 and three, eight and three. Like I've got all these winners and I'm going out and I'm finishing almost all of them until recently. I had a couple of tough ones that were, uh, I wasn't able to get inside the distance, but I was trying the whole time. Uh, I'm going to go be that action guy for them. And so if, if that's what they want, they want somebody that's going to bring pressure and try and find the finish every single fight, not lay on anybody. That's who I'm going to be. Uh, and I feel like with an LFA title finish, it would be hard to deny me. Um, but, you know, I, unfortunately, I'm the best decision. I just hope and pray and uh, put in the work every single day to go out there and be that guy that they need. Well, we're certainly looking forward to it for you, and we hope that that does mean that it is the official beginning to the McKenzie era in the UFC. Once again, fans, this was Aaron McKenzie, who fights Lucas Clay at LFA 128. That fight is on April 8th. Aaron, thank you so much for the time. I really appreciate it. Thank you, sir. I really appreciate you having me on. Well, we hope you enjoyed that interview with Aaron McKenzie. I Once again, I'm Daniel Gumby-Freeland, joined now by my co-host, Shockwave Dave Tremonte. Dave, I want to start here. We got to see a fight between Curtis Blades and Chris Dawkins this past weekend that saw our man, Curtis Blades, shoot no takedowns and absolutely put a beat down on, Kyle, or on uh, Chris Dawkins, not, rather not Kyle Dawkins. That would be an unfair fight. Chris Dawkins, I want to ask you this question. With Francis Ngannou out of the picture, if we assume he is no longer in the UFC, which I kind of assume at the end of the year he will not be, is Curtis Blades the best heavyweight in the UFC? Yes, 100%, 1,000% yes. I am getting serious, and we keep talking about it recently, what with Colby Covington's dominant win over Jorge Masvidal, a 1-1A one situation at heavyweight where I find Curtis Blades to be the very best heavyweight, not not named Francis Ngannou. He, of course, has losses to Francis Ngannou, so I can never say he's better than Francis Ngannou. However, I find Curtis Blades to be such a complete package. We thought this man was a fun takedown artist, but we worried he was just a takedown artist. He's now clearly shown he has the hands. He also has a loss to Derek Lewis. I would favor... Curtis Blades, bling, bling, Blades gang, in a rematch with Derek Lewis, if he could stay away from the power, his IQ, his fight IQ is only evolving the longer he's in the UFC. Gumby, with one more win, this man will have the same record as Cain Velasquez in the UFC. I find Curtis Blades to be one of the most underrated heavyweights that we've talked about in a long time. When you think about the fact 
that people used to get excited for Mark Hunt fights, Gumby. People would get excited for Mark Hunt fights. The man was like five and six. If it hit the ground, it was just over. Not for his opponent, but for him. He sucked. I love Mark Hunt, but he sucked. Curtis Blades is an excellent fighter, and someone needs to put more respect on his name. Yeah, and I, I think that's sort of why he went out there and fought the way he did, right? Is because, like, he, he keeps having these fights where people are not putting respect on his name, are, are not giving him the credit he deserves. Look, he, he, he took down Alistair Overeem, which, first of all, not as easy to do as it sounds. Overeem, underratedly good wrestler, and he bounced his head off the mat like it was a fucking basketball until he, I mean, he bled. I think they they stopped that one due to bleeding, or, or because uh, it was open a guy. opened his head up like a pinata. Yeah, dude. Like, and and so that to me, he's not a boring ground artist, right? He's super exciting on the mat. So that was already there, and he still wasn't getting the respect he deserved. Now he's getting the respect he deserves because he's standing up. You know, I, I just. I'll say this. First of all, I agree with you 100%. I think he's the best heavyweight in the world, not named Francis Ngannou. I will say this. I am worried that this is a style change that he is just going to go out there and box. And it was, I'm, I'm hoping it was just trying to be like, hey, I can do this. Give me the title shot. And then we go back to seeing him do what works because there's no reason to do this against Surreal Game, right? And there's no reason to do this against Stipe when you can just maul them, which I think he could do. So... I'm hoping it's not a style change and it's just like, hey, by the way, I can do this. Similar to the way Francis Ngannou wrestled in that last fight. Um, but yeah, no, dude, he's definitely the best heavyweight in the world, not named Francis. You bring up such a great point, and I agree. It'll be very interesting to see when he does go against Stipe, which, you know, they sort of teased at the end of the fight. Love that call-out scene, by the way. DC, the UFC, obviously, let me tell you something. The UFC, it, the fights are not fixed. This isn't pro wrestling, but gosh darn it, is the marketing and promotion fixed? I guarantee you, DC had someone in his ear, or someone said to Blades' management, if you win, Stipe in the building. I mean, it just makes sense to begin with. You don't have to be an idiot to make that call out, but it's so obvious sometimes that the UFC has certain fights lined up and queued up and the announcers are there to push that along. But I love the scene of him calling out Stipe and Stipe is just in the crowd. He's having fun. He's at home with his <laughs> Ohio natives. He wasn't even listening to the call out. He heard his name. He turned around. He like waved. Oh yeah. Yeah. Let's fight. And then just goes back to signing autographs. I love that. But you brought up such a good point. I hope it's not a stylistic change. We saw that with Glover Teixeira. Glover Teixeira, after the John Jones uh, loss and uh, Phil Davis loss back-to-back, he started to get a little in love with his hands. He came back, had a winning streak, uh, went into a fight with Rumble, thinking, yeah, I'll just stand and trade with Rumble. And we know how that went. It really wasn't until this last leg of Glover's career where I really feel like he is at peace or just completely, I, I don't know how to say it, like he has found out his true fighter self, and now it is just about, I am going to maul you and get you to the ground where I have the advantage. No longer is he trying to prove anything by standing with someone too long, and I do hope that's the same for Curtis Blades. If his strength is the ground, but he has the hands to get there, use the hands to get there, 
but don't fall in love with your hands. You know what I mean? Yeah, 100%. And in, in Glover's not the only example of this, too. This has happened tons of times in MMA. You know, the one that sticks out to me is Gabriel Gonzaga head-kicking uh, Miracle <laughs> yeah, Krokop. Krokop. Yeah, the dude thought he was a kickboxer for, like, the next eight years, and he's phenomenal at jiu-jitsu. But it, that win arguably ruined his career. Um, and it's weird to say that because it also, you know, derailed Mirko Krokot from what we thought he was going to be. It wound up being a highlight that we will see 8,000 times and it couldn't be worse for both of the guys involved. So I hope that this is not that for Curtis Blades. I hope that he, he continues to fight the way that we know that he is best. Uh, but this is just like a fun tool for him to have. So, um, yeah, fingers crossed on that front. Boom. Well, let's talk about some fights that are upcoming. Uh, let's do a little fights, dogs, and parlays. No UFC this week, so we're doing it for XMMA4, but we have a reason for that, and it's because there are a lot of former UFC fighters on this card, a lot of names you will know. But before we get into it, Gumby, does anyone sponsor this edition of fights, dogs, and parlays for XMMA4? Absolutely. Fight Sucks and Parlay is brought to you by Double Nickels Sports Betting. You can check out Nickels over on Instagram at 55DoubleNickels55. My guy sends you five picks each and every morning from the worlds of the NBA, NHL, MLB, tennis, and of course MMA. And I'm not lying when I'm telling you he's hitting five almost every single day. Unlike all those other guys who are trying to get you to tail their picks, he's giving you far more than just the picks. He hits you with tips and insights that consistently put him at the front of the game. And with prices that never exceed 10 bucks a day and go as low as 4 bucks a day, there's no reason not to give him a try. Plus, if you mention our podcast when you sign up, he'll hit you with that 10% discount. Don't delay. That's at 55DoubleNickels55 on Instagram. Double Nickels Sports Betting. All right, so we're talking XMMA4 here, and it's funny because two former UFC fighters uh, squaring off. This is a fun fight. Josh da- John Dodson, excuse me, and Francisco Rivera. Of course, Dodson was a former title challenger, left the UFC after he lost to Mirab Devishvili, uh, lost to Cody Gibson in his first fight at UFC XMMA3, so he's actually on a two-fight losing streak right now. You'd have to go back to his win over Nathaniel Wood in February of 2020 in UFC for his last win, Trying to rate the ship against Rivera, who left the UFC after UFC 201, went five years without a fight and is now 3-1 in 2021 and kind of on a nice little comeback trail. Who you got here? So I'm going to go with John Dodson. I really love the story behind Francisco Rivera because Francisco Rivera, he's a guy who I watched. Man, dude, I feel like I had just started writing about the MMA back then. Like, you know, it feels like a decade ago where I was watching Francisco Rivera, you know, he he not only fought in the UFC, the dude fought in WEC. He fought Eric Coach in in, in WEC. He was on the Ultimate Fighter. Uh, so to see him make this comeback and, and to do so fairly successfully, you know, he even beat Noelin Hernandez, who was a guy who uh, who was in the UFC as well. So he's beaten UFC vets. I love this story. With that being said, John Dodson was one of the best flyweights in the world. The guy knocked out TJ Dillashaw. He's still got the speed in those hands, and really the only thing beating him at this point in time, like we saw with Cody Gibson, is somebody who can match that speed and threaten him with the wrestling a little bit. I don't think that's Rivera. I think John Dodson steamrolls him here. All right, so this is an interesting matchup in that you have two guys in Kyle Stewart and Zach Otto who were in the UFC. Uh, Otto was released in 2019 after going 4-4, four and four, so 500 record in the UFC. Stewart was 0-2 in the UFC, released in 2019. But since that time, uh, Otto is 3-0, and and Stewart 3-2, and but he's had some tough fights, including you know guys like Chris Curtis he's had to fight. 
So both guys have been good post-UFC and fighting here. Who you got? I'm going to go with Zach Otto. Uh, I, first of all, I've liked the run he was on uh, in the UFC. You know, and, you know, we, we don't even really need to get into how well he's done outside of the UFC with this three-fight winning streak. But the dude beat some guys in the UFC. You know, four and four is nothing to laugh at, especially when you count he beat guys like Mike Pyle. He knocked out Mike Pyle. He he uh, decisioned Josh Berkman. Uh, and the losses were to legit dudes. Alex Murano, Lee Jingliang, who have both been ranked. He lost to Super Sage Northcutt, which, uh, you know, maybe that, that one didn't age so well. Um, but, like, he's a tough guy. And I really love the way he wrestles. Like, his wrestling is really impressive. And ultimately, like, I think that's probably what wins him the fight here with Kyle Stewart, who's had trouble with guys who can sort of body him up. So... I kind of expect Josh Ott, or Zach Otto rather to do exactly that. Yeah, I I like your pick there. Uh, John Howard and uh, Angelusa Howard was released from the UFC way back in 2015. He's fought for PFL uh, for Eagle Fighting Championship. He's on a two fight losing streak. Lusa was actually on Contender Series back in September. Lost to Jack Della. This is his first fight since then, and someone who would hope. He can get back in front of, you know, Dana White's eyes, in front of UFC brass, and try to make his way back into the UFC. Uh, plenty of people have lost on Contender Series and found their way into the UFC. Can Lusa do it as well against John Howard? Yeah, and I, I think you're right. And this is like the right promotion to be in if you're trying to get in front of uh, Dana White's eyes again, right? Because th- this is just a... a, a this is a, an event that's got a ton of people that Dana already knows about. So if, if you want to win and look good and, and get eyes on you, you fight on this card. And Angelus is doing all the right things with that. And, and he's also doing the right things fighting a guy like Doomsday Howard. He's on a basket, but we have respect for Doomsday's name because he fought some real dudes back in the day. And look, I, I think Lusa drew one of the toughest cards fighting Jack Della Maddalena because, like, Jack Della is a killer. And we, we saw it in his UFC debut. He looks like a beast. So Lusa is just like, I think he got a rough string of luck here. I think he's making the right move here. I think we're going to see his good kickboxing come out here and just absolutely put it on John Howard. So my pick here is Angelusa. Our underdog of the week is Kyron Bowden. Let's hear it. All right, so he's fighting Sasha Platnikov. Now, before we get too deep into this, I know a lot of people are high on Sasha Platnikov and actually didn't expect the UFC to fire him. And as a result, they're probably like, why are you picking one of the only guys who hasn't fought in the UFC to win on this one? But Kyron Bowden, even though he's a little bit of a journeyman as far as his record goes, and he's run into a really tough luck, he's fought absolute killers. He fought Colin Huckbody on the Contender Series. He was a Contender Series guy too. He lost a couple of times in PFL. But, like, if you look back at some of his wins, the guy has got real finishing instinct. He's got crazy power in his hands. He's, he grabs a great guillotine. Like, he's got pretty good ground skills, with the exception of a couple of losses to, like, some really good dudes on the mat. I actually expect him to kind of grind out uh, Sasha Platnikov here, despite the fact that people know Platnikov's name. They expect him to be better here. He's definitely going to be the better kickboxer, but I don't know if that'll matter. I'll tell you what will matter. It's our parlay to play. Kyle Bochniak and Curtis Melander. Pair them together, right? Yeah, pair those two together. And, and the reason I really like Kyle Bochniak in this fight, he's fighting Carlton Minus, a guy who comes from Alaska FC, which I think we've seen is one of the more overrated regional promotions. They churn out guys with great records and, and terrible 
terrible actual skills. And I've always been a big fan of Kyle Botchanak. Go back and watch him fight Zabit Magomed Sharapov. The dude fucking bangs with Zabit for a full 15 minutes and hangs in there. I think he's going to trounce Carlton Minus, but he's a big favorite, so you want to pair him with somebody. And I think Curtis Millinder is the right one here. Jared Gooden has shown that if he can't knock you out, he's going to have a really tough night, I think. Uh, you know, in his UFC stand, he went one in three. But Curtis Millinder, long-rangey striker. I think he's going to be tough here for Gooden to knock out. And as a result, I think he probably just outworks him. So uh, I like pairing Bochniak with Millinder. Boom. Well, that does it for this edition of Fights, Dogs, and Parlays. We can go outside the UFC. No big deal to us. We love it. Hey, if we did your right with some of these picks, come on back and tell us at Top Turtle MMA on Twitter and Instagram. Gumby, the train is a rumbling and a moving down the tracks. Where do we stop next? So we're going to move on now to my interview with Adley Edwards, who is fighting on this XMMA card. He talks a little bit about the training leading into this fight, including working with his mentor, Marcus, the Irish hand grenade Davis. And we'll, of course, get to that interview and all of the goodies that come along with it right after this quick message where I tell you that this interview is brought to you by Maroon Social, M-A-R-U-N-E. Maroon Social is the one and only social media app for the martial arts enthusiast. Whether you do kickboxing, judo, sambo, jiu-jitsu, or any other martial art, you can use Maroon Social to log your training sessions, tag your training partners, log competitions, weigh-ins, and so much more. Download Maroon Social wherever it is you download apps. Maroon Social brings you this interview with Adley Edwards. All right, and joining me today is Adley Edwards, who fights Josh Harvey at XMMA4. That fight is on April 2nd. So, Adley, I wanted to start by talking about the fact that you're a prospect on this card, getting ready for the big show, but you're not like a, a normal prospect. You're a dude who's been in this sport for a decade. You made your AMI debut a decade ago. What is it like to pour that much time into the sport and, and now have yourself in, on such a big stage so close to the big time? Oh, it, it feels great. I feel like it's a long time coming, and I think uh, it's, it's been a long journey. I think uh, part of me is like about time, but uh, <laughs> I think, um, you know, I, I think it's finally uh, moving towards uh, the, the steps I needed to go, I guess. My, my journey is on the right track, it feels like. And is there something about the journey all along, and we'll get into the depth of it, but is there something about the journey all along that felt like you weren't taking the right steps, you weren't getting where you thought you should be? Because obviously the fighting is taking care of itself, right? Like you've got an eight and one record. You had basically that same record as an Amy as well. So is there something about it that felt like it was just kind of not quite there? You know, I think a, a lot of different things just didn't happen to align at the right time. I think uh, from untimely injuries to the wrong fights falling through at the wrong time to COVID happening or, you know, uh, there's there's a lot of things out of my control. And unfortunately, uh, there's nothing I can do about it. But, uh, you know, the, the things that maybe I could control, you know, I learned from some of the mistakes I made. Um, and I made plenty. But, uh, you know, I think overall I've, I've learned and grown from each one. And I think I'm uh, – I'm the better for it, uh, both as a person and as an athlete. And, uh, and I think even still as a prospect, I think I still have a lot of, uh, uh, a lot more to give to the sport and to show to perform. And, uh, I think, uh, I'll still be able to compete at a high level and higher level, uh, in the future. So I think, uh, the, the journey's just beginning still. Well, and you mentioned the length of that journey a couple of times. And like you said, it's still just beginning at this point, but 
you know, 10 years in the sport, which is, you know, again, split up between amateur and pro, but was, was there any a time you felt like you were doubting this, that th- this was not a career path, or have you always kind of known MMA was going to be your career one day? You know, I knew since I was a kid. I think I was like 15 years old. I first started training jiu-jitsu and got exposed to MMA, and I knew at that point this was my path, and this is what I loved and enjoyed, and everything since then has been about this. Even though I didn't start my amateur career until later, you know, I wrestled through high school and college, and it was – it was for the purpose of MMA. And I don't know if I'd ever doubt that it was the path for me. I just, uh, uh, you know, things happen in life and you know, it's, it's tough. Anybody can have a career ending injury at the wrong time or, or life circumstances kind of derail them. And, um, I don't necessarily think that would make it not my path or what I was you know, born to do or, you know, with my passion or my, you know, calling. But I think, uh, um, I don't know, man. I think, uh, yeah, I, I, I don't really doubt that this is something that I can do. Um, I think I just, uh, need to keep working to, um, you know, be ready. So when the stars line and the opportunity is available, I, I'm ready to, to seize it and take it and not drop the ball. <laughs> That, that makes a lot of sense. And now, obviously, this card is going to have a lot of eyes on it. You know, XMMA 4 has got, I, I think I saw somebody had 14 former UFC fighters on the card. And it's it's a laundry list of people, including people who have fought for titles in the UFC. What is it like being surrounded by that kind of name value? And, you know, do, do you feel like you get lost in the shuffle or is it good for extra eyes? Um, I, at this point, I think it's, it's, I think it's just more exposure and it helps me. And I think it's exciting to be a part of that kind of, uh, a new thing like that. I think, uh, it's not something you see a lot of, um, usually when you see that many guys who've been in the UFC, it's on a UFC card. <laughs> so I think that's really cool. Um, I, it's hard to say. I mean, I haven't even been around these guys yet. I'm not going to be around until fight week. So maybe it'll be a, a different experience there, but. You know, I'm not really a fanboy. I, I really enjoy watching other people and seeing what they do well. And, you know, I'm a, I'm a fan of the sport, but I think, uh, you know, people are people and they're all athletes just like me. They might be in different stages of their career. And there's things I admire about, you know, some of them who are on the card and the work that they have done. But uh, at the end of the day, I'm there to perform and fight. And I'm just glad it's, uh, it's like you said, a stage with more eyes on it, more attention. And uh, I think that will ultimately helped me in my career so I'm, I'm i'm thankful for it well and it's certainly easy not to be a fanboy too when you're a guy who who trains alongside of and is, is seemingly been mentored by marcus the irish hand grenade davis right like we, we've seen you know around that that that's a guy who you work with and that's a guy who you you perhaps look up to what what is it like been having a guy who's you know sort of been there done that is is one that helps show you the ropes it's awesome. I honestly, I just got done hitting some pads with them uh, just a moment ago, and it is really cool. You can really pull from his experience. It um, it just makes you realize it's not as um, like I, I think people look at things with this like the sheen over like it's some sort of you know magical experience or you know uh, some sort of different environment like it's next or you made it there. And while you know. I think the paychecks will feel a lot different uh, on the next stage. I think that, uh, you know, it's just another fight. These are just people you're going against. Uh, There's nothing, 
you know, really special about fighting somebody in the UFC as opposed to fighting somebody on the regional scene or the XMA card, except for, you know, they're, they're better. It's just a scale. It's not like there's a, you know, some sort of magical thing that happens there. And I think that uh, Marcus helps me see uh, things sometimes as they really are. You know, uh, it's, it's easy to daydream and get lost in uh, what your goals are and, you know, what you want to become. But I think uh, uh, I'm, I'm there and I'm already, I'm already able to compete with those guys at that level. So um, he gives me the confidence that I can do that. He gives me great coaching and experience and, uh, and mentorship. So I think, uh, yeah, it's, it's invaluable having, having a guy like that uh, to, to be around every day. Well, and you mentioned in there, they're just another opponent. Let's talk about your next opponent. Josh Hardy is a guy who, if you just scan across his record, he has gotten a laundry list of first round or early second round finishes. He's a guy who goes in there and tries to get the job done extremely fast, an extremely quick starter. In your preparation for him, what what have you seen out of Josh Harvey, and how do you feel you match up with him? Um, I really like the matchup. I think... Uh... Yeah, he's got a lot of first-round finishes. I don't know if he's necessarily a fast starter so much as the guys he's going against are kind of reckless and uh, uh, aggressive themselves. I feel like it just, you know, they're just crashing at each other, and then he's coming up on top. Um, I don't think uh, – let me say this. He's got a, a great record on paper, 8-1. and one. He hasn't really fought great guys. Um, and I think a lot of those finishes are because – I mean, he, he should beat those guys and smash those guys. I don't think they're really high caliber, high talented people. I don't think most good guys should do that exact same thing to, to those guys. So I'm not really uh, worried about him coming out hard or fast or, you know, or whatever. I think that as an opponent, he's just uh, another guy. And I think honestly, uh, the majority of the guys that fought are actually more dangerous than him. I think they'd have better records or the same records if they fought the same caliber competition. I think he's just uh um, a big fish in, the, in a smaller pond where he's at. Uh, but that being said, I'm glad he won because I think uh, I'm going to be able to steal those uh, the 8-1 and one record. That'd be a nice notch under my belt. And he, um, yeah, he looks like he's, I don't know. I think uh, I, I think that he's got a uh, very basic style. Um, he's a wrestler uh, who uh, is outclassing the wrestling in this matchup. So I think it's going to be a, uh, honestly, a really fun fight for me. And I don't think it's uh, as dangerous as some of my, some of my other fights. So this, this is the part where I like to ask for a prediction. How do you see it ending on April 2nd? Um, I think, I don't know, honestly, man. I think I can end a lot of ways. I don't really think I have only one route to victory in the fight. I think I, uh, I'm going to go over there and... Uh, do my thing. And I think uh, I'll have plenty of options to pick from for how to put him down. I could see me knocking him out. Um, he looks like he's not super comfortable on the feet. So I'm sure uh, uh, I can put him in some positions where I can do some real damage. I could see dropping him and finishing on the ground. I could see uh, him giving up submission after getting uh, ground out through the wrestling exchanges. I could see, uh, honestly, a, a lot of different, uh, there's a lot of openings that I see that I think that I have the great, a great skill set to apply to go capture it. I love to hear it. Now, before you go, I always do like, as a bonus question here to a lot of fighters, I love hearing nickname origin stories from fighters. And 
And you've got one of my favorite ones in the regional scene right now, and that's Sunshine. So do you mind sharing with us where you got the nickname Sunshine and how you wound up being an MMA fighter called Sunshine? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Honestly, credit goes to my wife, Maggie. She, uh, she, called me, she calls me Sunshine. And, um, you know, people always commented when I was uh, fighting. So when I was an early amateur, I love fighting. So you get, you know, people coming out to like the heavy metal, like the angry stuff. I always have some like, you know, real chill upbeat song and I always have a smile on my face because honestly, I'm not there because I hate my opponent or I have something, you know, or I'm mad or I want to like, you know, release some sort of pent up rage. I enjoy and I love the art of competition and fighting and MMA. I, I truly enjoy it. And, you know, even as an amateur, I had a hard time finding fights. So every time I get the opportunity to go in there and, you know, take off the uh the governor on the car you know and and really unleash it's it's really a fun freeing uh, enjoyable experience and uh, i think some people maybe thought it was kind of creepy that i'm smiling in there and enjoying it so much but uh it seemed like the uh perfect match for uh that sunshine uh moniker so um i think i i can't remember what fight i began but it was early in my amateur career and uh i i love it i i didn't hear it i think there's a one or two other sunshines floating around now but uh at the time, I was the only one, and I, I really uh, I enjoy that nickname. Well, we enjoy it as well, and we're looking forward to the fight once again. Fans, this has been Adley Edwards, who fights Josh Harvey at XMMA 4 on April 2nd. Adley, thank you so much for the time, man. I really appreciate it. Thank you, Dan. It's a pleasure. And that's going to do it for another episode of Top Turn on MMA Podcast. We want to thank you, the fans, for tuning in each and every week. We could not do what we do without you guys. We also want to thank our sponsors, Maroon Social, Better Than Vegas, and Double Nickel Sports Betting. And as a friendly reminder, you can check us out on Twitter and Instagram at Top Turn MMA in both of those locations. In the meantime, I'm Dan the Gumby Vreeland. He's Shockwave Dave Tremonte. We will catch you next week.